Today on Locked On Canadians, we are going to go over to the queue with a very special guest, and we're going to make a lot of our listeners happy because we're going to be talking about Joshua Roth and more. And that's coming up in one second on Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to episode 617 of Locked On Canadians. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Laura Sabin. Today I'm outnumbered. I'm a former Habs as the prize contributor. And today I've got two of them. My co-host, Scott Matla, who you already know. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing all right. Um, it's almost to my day off. It rained all day, which is never great for a Monday. But you know what? I spent most of the day lying on the couch with the dogs. So I think it could be a lot worse, uh, to be quite honest with you. And I'll tell you what could be a lot worse is this episode because I've been very excited for it for a long time. Our special guest is Matt Drake, also of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And we're going to be asking him a lot of questions about the queue. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm doing terrific. The Toronto Maple Leafs got eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs, so um, uh, I'm doing terrific. I would like you to know that I rarely would allow a guest that has better hair than me on the podcast. So just so you know, this is a very special occasion. All right. Here's the thing. A lot of our listeners have been in our comments, in our tweets, talking about Josh Barrois. And I think it's absolutely justified. It's such an exciting time for the Montreal Canadiens. And we were talking a little bit because there's always those usually Sens fans or Leafs fans, those naysayers saying, well, it's just the cue, right? So let's talk a little bit. Let's contextualize his season, what it means in the queue and what it means for the Montreal Canadiens. And you've been watching the queue all season long. You're kind of like the, yeah. the go-to person for that on Eyes on the Prize. So give us a little bit of a perspective on Joshua Roth for listeners who either may be really excited about him or a little bit nervous about his future. Well, I think like concerns about the queue being a not great defensive league, they're, they're valid, right? It's, it's definitely not known for being a staunch defensive league, a really physical in-your-face defenders. It's, it's more of a finesse league, so to speak. But that being said, 119 points scored by Joshua as an 18-year-old. Why isn't everybody scoring 119 points if it's that easy to do it, right? It's not that easy. He brings very, very high-level offensive tools. His shot is ridiculous. His shot would work in the NHL tomorrow if he was ready to play in the NHL. His passing is next level. I mean, he makes some passes where he just shoulder checks and then he'll throw what looks like a blind pass through three defenders and then hit somebody tape to tape. He did it to David Spacek just the other night in the playoffs, uh, turning in towards the boards and then firing it through three different defenders to make sure that he got the puck and he put it in and tied the game for the Sherbrooke Phoenix. He has very elite offensive tools. The number one concern when it comes to Joshua Wise is skating. Uh, he's not super fast. He's no Paul Byron. He's no Josh Anderson in terms of his uh, but those offensive skills that he has give you a lot of reminders of Nick Suzuki, for example, who a lot of people said had issues with his skating when he was coming up in junior as well. They looked at his point production and said that's not going to be sustainable for him because he doesn't have the skating that he's going to need in order to keep up with people in the NHL. But he slows the game down with a lot of the things that he does with his puck protection, with the way that he stick handles, with the way that he's able to find his teammates, with the way that he's able to attack in space and come downhill at you. He makes it very difficult to contain him even if he doesn't have that speed. So if he can add that extra gear that I think he can unlock if he works with a, a skating coach like Adam Nicholas, then I think he's going to be a very effective player at the next level. And we'll find out what he can do against more 
robust defense in the NHL. I'm not worried about it uh, just because he plays in the queue and it is less of a defensive league. Again, if it were easy, then everybody would have 119 points this year and they don't. No, I was just saying, I'm just looking at like his numbers and he was second in the queue in points per game behind Maverick Bork, who played 31 games to Waz 66. And it's like he had almost two points per game. And I know it's not a great defensive league, but his 119 points are the it's the highest since Connor Garland hit 129, you know, seven seasons ago. It's impressive. And it's not that it's all power play. He only has 14 power play goals out of 51 on the season. He has 68 <laughs> assists. It, it's he's getting it done. And I, I, I don't know if he's going to make it past the nine games next season. He might for all we know, it all depends on how well he impresses in camp. But when he came here after his draft year, when we watched those preseason games, Joshua Wah was one of the guys who like actually stood out amongst young players. Obviously, yeah. Arbor Jackye ended up with an entry level contract out of that somehow. We that's a, a concept for another episode. But I look at this and I go, "This is a dude who wanted it. He didn't make Team Canada. He might make their August World Juniors team because people are going to leave because NHL camps and whatnot." But Holy crap, is it just, I get it, it's the cue, but 119 points in 66 games for a fifth-round draft pick, not an overager, he's 18 years old, is just, it's silly. It's a stupid amount of points, and it's and so he, balanced. He, like, just turned 18, too. He's not, uh, like, he's born in August, so he turned 18 just before the season started i mean he's a very young player to be doing that well and again the, the two biggest concerns i think are things that most scouts most people in the know when it comes to hockey would say are things you can fix it's the skating and uh, i would throw conditioning in there as well i don't think i mentioned that before sometimes you see him at the end of a longer shift he's sucking wind on the bench um and you can tell towards the end of those shifts he's not as engaged as he normally is but those are things that i think you can fix very easily and he clearly has the work ethic to fix things as well. Because if you read the pre-draft reports about him, honestly, go back and take a look at those and see what the scouts were saying, why he fell down to the fifth round in the first place. Because they were saying he's just a shooter. Uh, he, he shoots really well. He can beat goalies over and over again. But that's he's one-dimensional. He's a shooter. The way they talked about him, you would think he was Mike Hoffman. He's not Mike Hoffman. He's much, I would argue he's much better defensively now than Mike Hoffman is. Um, although, again, he's not Arturi Lekkinen in terms of playing defense as a winger. But the way that he made progression specifically was adding playmaking that nobody really believed he had prior to the draft. When you read those draft boards, again, a lot of them talk nonstop about his shot. They don't mention this playmaking. He mentioned it, 68 assists, right? Where'd that come from? It came from him legitimately working on adding a new layer to his game and finding his teammates. He did get some help from Xavier Perrin, but when you go and look at Xavier Perrin's numbers, a lot of people love to say, well, Joshua Roy, he's only doing this because he has Xavier Perrin. Number one, Xavier Perrin never did as well as he's doing this year without Joshua Roy. And number two, Joshua Roy has been producing with a bunch of different linemates as well. They've been using him as well with uh, uh, Justin Gill and Israel Mianskum. And they've also used him with uh, Anthony Monroe-Boucher. He's been playing up and down the lineup, and he's been producing with everybody they've put him with. And when he's added that playmaking to it as well, he's not only making – he's not only – upping his point totals but all the people that he, they put him with are also seeing an uptick in their production because he's able to facilitate plays for them as well so if you're looking at one thing what do you want to see from a player who came out of the draft and was maybe had a bit more of a disappointing season pre-draft 
and fell down to the fifth round, it's progression. And he's shown progression, which should tell us that we can believe in him progressing even more in other areas. And again, fixing those two things that I think are the number one, uh, number one and two things for him to fix is skating and conditioning. I think one of the things about him has been that in the abysmal season that the Canadians had, especially at the very beginning, he was not a player that we thought would be a bright spot. He's a fifth rounder, and I don't think, and it's exactly like you said, the draft reports on him, the pre-draft reports on him were very, very different to the way that he turned out to be playing at the end. And every time we would talk about it, like Scott and I would talk about it, I'd be like, that kid again, that kid, you know what I mean? And it, it took a while for it to really sink in. But I think like fans are really excited about this now. And, and the thing that I love that you said is that he worked on his game, right? So I love players that are like that, where they'll go in and they might not ever become the best skater. They might ever, not, or when like the knock is face-offs or whatever, they might not become the best at it, but they'll become good enough to supplement the rest of the what they bring to the NHL level, which is really, really exciting. So two things I would ask you. I don't necessarily think that he's going to get any more than a cup of coffee with the Habs next year. And the other thing I would ask is, would you consider this a massive win for the Habs, getting him in the fifth round? Well, to the first one, I've been advocating for this. I'm going to keep beating this drum until until the Montreal Canadiens listen to me, is give him <laughs> the nine games next year. Give him that give him that taste of the action and find out how far away is he, right? Let him see what it's like. And especially when you take a player like him, I think he needs to experience he can understand why he needs to work on the things that he needs to work on. I also think that in the early goings, he could be a significant boost to their power play because of the way he shoots and the way he's able to distribute. And he can play all over the place in the power play. They put him on the half wall. They put him at the point. He's everywhere. So he's very useful to them in the early goings of the season. I would not give him more than the nine games, though. Number one, because I don't think that the Habs are going to be very competitive. And I think that's rough uh, on somebody who's barely going to be 19 years old to say, all right, we're going to have you play potentially middle six on a team that's going to be struggling to even come close to fighting for a wild card spot. So that'd be a little bit rough. And I'd say, you know, given the nine games at the end of those nine games, if they're probably somewhere around three and six, which I think most people are probably going to expect them to be around that you send them back and let them cook in Sherbrooke for one more year. But then he has the knowledge of, Oh man, you know, if I had that one extra half step, I'd be able to do this. And then he's going to come back hungrier and uh, and maybe take a real stab at making the lineup the following season. To your second point. It sounds like a stupid question. But the reason that I ask this is simply because the discourse in the Montreal Canadiens fan base is, is, is all over the place. So I just, you know, I'm very excited. And I just want to know, like you, somebody who's been watching him all year and has a bit of expertise on, on, on the queue in general, are yeah. we right to be excited? You know? Look, I, I don't want to overhype a fifth-round draft pick, but if you had to redraft that draft, I'm telling you, he's going in the first round. He's not going top five. He's probably not going top ten. But I think if you asked, if you polled ten NHL scouts, I bet nine out of ten are saying, yeah, I'm taking that kid in the first round. If you have the opportunity to go back and do everything over again. That uh, makes a lot that's of That's obviously with the benefit of hindsight, right? But So, yeah, it's, I, I would say it's an absolute win, and uh, it's, it could be the steal of that draft. And there were some people who had said that at that time. I think David St. Louis mentioned uh, as soon as they drafted him, he said this could be the steal of the draft. And now with the benefit of hindsight, anybody who was saying that at the time, they are being proven 100% right. He, I mean, he has 13 points through five playoff games. So even with how good his regular season was, he's taking it to another level now in the playoffs for Sherbrooke. Um, I, I really do believe he's going to be a member of the Montreal Canadiens eventually. I think he has a legitimate top six upside. And to get that in the fifth round pick, I mean – I don't know what it is with Trevor Timmons, but somehow in the fifth round, he seems to get top six players. And I think he did it again. 
That's amazing. And he's not the only player we want to talk about today. So in just one moment, we are going to be talking about so many more players, prospects, as well as people the Canadians might want to be looking at for the next draft in the queue. Uh, but first, let me tell you about Built Bar. If you've listened to this show at all, you will know that we love Built Bar. It is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It is made with real chocolate. They're all low in sugar, high in protein. They've got an amazing taste and texture on like most of the protein bars that you know, like that have that whey protein taste that you know what I'm talking about if you've ever had one or like that grainy sandy texture none of that with Built Bar and right now they have a limited edition birthday cake puffs flavor they are phenomenal we all got samples we love them they're fantastic we're so excited and if you want to try any of these Built Bars you can go to Built.com and enter promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order that's Built.com promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order all right, Scott, let's talk a little bit about Riley Kidney, because when I mention him to people, people say that's not a real person. <laughs> so my whole thing with Riley Kidney is I look at this draft and there were a lot of names that I really wanted in the second round. And Matt can attest to this. We were in the same Slack chat as they're going through everything here. And I looked at some of the names that were on the board when they're going through the picks here because let me just scroll down and see where riley kidney pops yeah it was right at the end of the first round there they had tra- i want to say they had traded down in the first round they ended up getting him and Kapanen back to back but it's like uh there were players like uh sasha pastajov and uh a couple of other players and i look at this and i go who the hell is riley kidney and then a little bit of diving in said hey he's got offensive creativity he played really well on the teton and then we look at how this season went and he and Joshua Wah made a lot of people look at this and go, Oh, Holy crap. And I, I think Wah right now is the more polished product, but I think kidney is one of those guys that's really slept on in the Canadians organization because Wah's leading the league in scoring and kidney quietly put up a hundred points in 66 games. And that's just a bonkers thing. And, the Teton are not a very strong team overall. At least I don't think they are. And yet the numbers are there. He had 38 points in 33 games the year before, 166 this year. He had 33 in 59 in his first full Q season. He's a, he's a slept on prospect. And I think he's someone that's going to be on Team Canada's radar. Uh, maybe not this World Juniors, but definitely the one after that. It's... It's a very fun, it's one of those things that I'm very happy to have proven wrong on. And he earned an entry level contract out of it. You know, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon saw enough to go, this is the guy. I'm obviously not swatched a lot more than I have, but I see a guy who can be a really potentially devastating playmaking winger for the Canadians here in the future. What are your thoughts, Matt? I think he's best at, at center, to be honest. Um, but he can definitely play the wing as well. He, he has a hundred percent um he i think i'd love to see him develop more of a shooting touch i actually think his shot's a little bit underrated and he doesn't use it enough um but he's more of a pass first guy and it works for him it works really well for him uh you mentioned the titan not being a, a super strong team that is 100 true uh they kind of lived and died through what he was able to do and when other teams are really able to key on him and shut him down they were in a little bit more trouble um they are in very difficult right now against the Charlottetown Islanders in their uh, second round series, but they came back 
from uh, the opening round for the QMJHL playoffs was just five, right? They went down two to the Halifax Mooseheads and then stormed back and did a reverse sweep with three straight wins. And he was a massive, massive part of that. Uh, I think he had three assists in one game in uh, the second win for them. If I have to go back and double check and make sure that I'm right about that. But, uh, but they were all like hard work, ridiculous assists. Um, he gets very involved in setting up his teammates. And there's a lot of guys who owe him beers for how many goals he's been able to set up for them. And when I say I'd like to see him shoot a little bit more himself, it's because I can show you some highlights where he goes on some pretty crazy individual rushes. He had one, I think it was against the Blainville-Bois-Briand-Armada, uh, where he stole the puck at center ice, deked around three different guys, and then deked the goalie. He did all of this while being hooked by two different players. So sometimes he can have these individual displays of skill, and you go, why aren't you doing that more often? So the one thing about him is that he leaves a little bit to be desired, but when it comes to his playmaking, he's, he's bar none. He's, he's one of the best in the QMJHL in terms of dishing the puck. I think it's also one of those things where, you know, the Canadians with their development can kind of help him work on that kind of thing, right? Like that you, I, I know there's a lot of debate about whether you can have hockey sense or instinct and is it natural or is it, can you teach it and all of that? But sometimes it's just, you know, complete the play is not learning something new. It's literally somebody telling you to just push a little bit harder. And I, the thing that I love is that you said that everybody owes him beers because he's eight years old. So like, I don't see it, you know, um, he's, but he's super fun. He's another, he's another player where you know i was like who when they drafted him i literally was like that can't you know who but i'm super excited about him now um so we are actually running out of time in this segment so what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about because scott wanted to ask what should they do with xavier simono uh we almost forgot about william trudeau and maybe if there's like a couple players that canadians should be keeping an eye on and that's all coming up in just one second but first our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all of the latest odds news and sports development including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, NHL playoffs, the fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, who do we start with? Scott, I'm going to leave it up to you. You're, you're like, so so you're more, I guess, in tune with prospects. I, I guess I want to ask about Xavier Simino first, just because he's someone who's most likely going to be stepping into my realm in the near future. He's an overager the Canadians picked at the end of the last draft, and I, I he didn't have the growth of someone like an Alex Barry Boulay or someone else where it's like, okay, okay, you know, and then they exploded for like 130 points. 45 and 61, 57 and 55, 89 and 61, 37 and 27, then 86 and 48. He's been consistent. He was on Team Canada's radar when he was, you know, still in the under 20s. I look at this as a guy that they see like Rafael Harvey Pinard, who they drafted as an overager after he had won the Memorial Cup uh, with, uh, not Ramuski, um, Ryu Narunda. And then, you know, they picked him. I look at him as someone that they go, we're going to give you an AHL deal. And if you step up and you earn it, you're going to get the entry-level deal like Rafael Harvey Pinard did. Just I, I read his profile here is that he's a high-energy guy. He knows how to get to the net, how to score points. And he's someone, admittedly, that I haven't paid a ton of attention to because I kind of dismissed He's an overager. He should be you mm-hmm. know, playing at this almost two-point-per-game pace here. 
And I feel like I'm doing myself or, you know, doing him a disservice by kind of dismissing him just as that so far. Well, he might have gotten to two points per game if he didn't miss games this season. Um, if he had stayed healthy and been able to stay in the lineup the entire time, he may have gotten there. I think he's had 86 in, in 40, 47 or something like that. It was it was a really good stat line for him, and he could have gotten to that two-point-per-game plateau. And, I mean, the, the book on him, I would say, a little bit undersized, loves to go to the net, bottomless gas tank, great skater. Who does that sound like? Sounds a lot like Brendan Gallagher. Sounds a lot like uh, Rafael Harvey Pinar. Uh, it fits 100% the mold of what the Montreal Canadiens tend to look for in those later rounds. And I would be shocked if he doesn't get a legitimate uh, look for the Laval Rocket next year. I think he's going to be there. I don't think he's going to spend any time uh, in the ECHL. I'd be surprised if he does because I think he's ready to take that next step. Uh, again, we probably would have seen that two-point-per-game. He might have been up there challenging Joshua Wah for number one in the league if he had stayed healthy all year. Um, to my knowledge, he was actually playing some of his games hurt as well, so he could have even had more points in the games that he did play. I mean, this is a guy who he's ready for that next step. Um, he's a big part of why the Charlotte Islanders are going to be so difficult to beat in these QMJHL playoffs. And, yeah, he's I, I definitely see him on the rocket next year, on their power play, and uh, giving you a lot of the same stuff that you're seeing from RHP this season. And, and then I guess my predictions was sorry. I was like, people keep asking, you know, which which one of the Rocket is going to make the NHL team? And I'm saying, other than Corey Schooneman, I feel like RHP is like the first person, right? So they're going to need someone like him on on the Rocket. It just makes sense to me. Uh, and I'm forgetting. Who am I forgetting, Scott? William Trudeau. William Trudeau. Every, same one, everyone that. forgets William Trudeau <laughs> because he plays defense and he doesn't score a million points in the queue, unfortunately. But And he, and he plays in the queue where it's a non-defensive league, right? <laughs> um, look, he had an underwhelming season overall on a very good Charlottetown team. I mean, I, I'm i Polish Sherbrooke because I want to see Joshua Hawaii in the Memorial Cup. But if I'm being honest with myself, everybody who's remaining in those playoffs is going to have a very tough time getting through that team. And William Trudeau is an underrated part of it, actually. I mean, so far through the playoffs, uh, I haven't looked at today's game because I was watching uh, the Sherbrooke game, but he had, uh, what, three goals in five games? So he's contributing right now. He's contributing uh, from the point with his shot. He has a very good point shot in the power play. Um, I don't know what his future is NHL-wise. I'm very reticent to ever give anybody a grade on defense because my last – you know, favorite defensive prospect that didn't work out was Dalton Thrower. Uh, so that, that's the opposite <laughs> of a name drop for most people. Scott will remember how high I was on Dalton Thrower. So I've been burned, and I don't love to get too excited about defensemen. But I got to tell you, I love his shot. Uh, I love his physicality. And if he can get to the next level, that shot and that physicality are going to benefit him well. Uh, I'm just looking at the Charlottetown and Bath- or, uh, Katie Bathurst game that just ended. Trudeau had an assist. Uh, and Xavier Simoneau had two assists. Riley Kidney was held off the score sheet. So uh, Charlottetown won 5-1. Uh, as we all expected, there were about 7 million penalties at the end of the game because, of course, there were. The Q playoffs are fun. Like, the Habs don't have, I think, they have um, Meshach and, um, God, I'm going to forget his name, Jack I playing in the OHL, and then obviously out in the dub, it's Caden Gooley, but the Q is where... And Shane the... Wright, and Shane Wright in the OHL. Oh, yeah. No, the Kings, the Fronts got <laughs> well, eliminated. Are they out now? No, Shane we're not Wright, picking yeah, Shane, Shane Wright, Wright did you know? Yeah, we're not picking Shane Wright <laughs> now because he's I apparently a loser. At all. We're not picking Shane Wright. Um, <laughs> he's bad. He's bad now because his team's bad, and it's all his fault. And I hear by yeah. my newsletter. Um, 
Oh, that's mean. Anyway, um, I suppose before we put a wrap on the show is that, Matt, you've watched probably every team in the queue play, at least at some point this season. I know you love David Spachek uh, on the Phoenix right now. Who is on your list of some of those sleepers that with the Canadians having 14 draft picks, 13 outside of first overall, who's on your wish list if you're picking someone from the queue uh, in the draft this year? There are, other than David Spachek, uh, I, I love you, David. I really hope that you come to the Montreal Canadiens. I love your dad, too. Um, I have two guys that I really, really like and that I would like to see the Montreal Canadiens pick up in the later rounds. Number one is Jordan Zumet. Um, he's getting a little bit more hype now because he did cross the 100-point plateau in the QMJHL, played Halifax Mooseheads. He has everything that you expect a player to have in order for them to fall in the draft. He's undersized and people are worried about him physically at the next level. I'm not. He's very fast. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have never shied away from drafting smaller players, and currently NHL Central Scouting has him at 73rd uh, for North American skaters. So the reality here is that he's probably available for you in the third round where the Canadians have three picks. So I would encourage everybody, go take a look at his highlights and tell me if you don't think that's worth a third-round pick. I mean, I, I would absolutely be targeting him. There's also Samuel Sabwep. Um, he's another player of the QMJHL, uh, plays for Getsino. Very, very fast player, um, very good hands, has a very underwhelming stat line, and I think he's going to be available even later in the draft. So he's another guy that I would absolutely be targeting. Those are two guys from the queue that I think if the Habs can get them, uh, they're going to end up having a pretty good draft um, overall. But, of course, you know, we're, we're not getting shame right anymore, so uh, now we don't know what's happening at the top. <laughs> I did not realize David Spotrek was a defenseman, by the way. I opened up his profile on Elite Prospects and went, ah, okay, the numbers are decent for his first full season in, you know, North America. And then I went, oh, he's a defenseman. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely worth a shot there. Like, I looked at that and went, oh, him, I just don't him know and how to Him and Wad have a weird connection, too. Like, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know how many of Wad's assists were on Spotcheck goals. But Spacek often is on the power play at the same time as Moet. And also at strength, they, they end up on the ice pretty often as well. And Spacek was the guy that Moet hit uh, in, uh, I think it was the last game against, uh, in, in the first round, where he was turning into the boards and fired it through three people. I was talking about it earlier. He basically did a shoulder check and saw where Spacek was. And then Spacek does a zipper down the back, like Markov style to the back door. And Moet hits him on the tape through three players. It's almost like, you know, they, they, they connect really well together. So he, he's a guy – I'm trying to pick him up just because I like him, but also the fact that he's familiar with Joshua Hawaii, um and, and his dad was just a, an incredibly fun player to watch when he played so much too. Part of that 2010 Stanley Cup run. Man, I'm getting old. Oh, That's Yaro. the thing is, like, I was super upset because I was like and, – and you said, I love your dad. And I was like, I have done such a good job of, like, blocking out the fact that Yaros Bacek has a kid that's old enough to be drafted right now. And now I'm just going to go crumble and die of old age somewhere. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to thank you, Matt. This episode flew by. I hope you'll come back again. I know you're a very, very busy person, but I know the listeners are going to absolutely love this episode. Like, I really, I'm super excited for people to hear this episode because, like, if you, if, if our YouTube comments are anything to go by, like, this is the kind of content that they want and, uh, and we love our listeners. So let me just ask you, where can people find your work? Well, like Scott, you can find a lot of my stuff over at HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Um, we're also on Spotify. Uh, you can just type in Eyes on the Prize for Montreal Canadiens fans. Uh, we have a bunch of different podcasts that we run specifically through Spotify and other platforms as well, like Apple. 
um, Google Play if you're into that. And uh, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at RakeMT. Thanks so much, Matt. And you can find our podcast at LO underscore Canadians. You can always email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave comments on YouTube. We will take your content suggestions as we just have. Uh, but be nice. Otherwise, we'll delete your comment and you from our page. Uh, you can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla. You'll find me at The Active Stick. And when you're done listening to this podcast, please check out Locked On NHL, where they're covering everything to do with the playoffs, including power rankings.